The following audio has been brought to you by Word of Grace Community Church. For more information about Word of Grace, visit wogcc.com. Good morning, Word of Grace. How are you this morning? So good to see all of you. And man, is it good to be with you and also great to be back in this great state of Wisconsin. I woke up to 29 degrees this morning. I haven't felt that in a long time, and it actually felt pretty good, so... I haven't, uh, haven't, haven't changed all that much. So good to be with you. And a bonus, it's game day today. Woo! And you all showed up. I'm so thankful for that. And uh, hopefully you all spent a little bit of time in your personal prayer time today praying for our beloved pack. Is that right? All right. Faithful behind the scenes doing that. It's been a little bit of a rough year, but they're ours and they're coming back, right? All right. Yeah. So, so good to be a part of all of that again. I haven't, uh, haven't forgot any of it. Such a pleasure to be with all of you today. As Pastor Derek uh, said, we had a fantastic night last night. Gail and I were just elated to be with almost 100 people here. It was a great venue and talking about how to make our marriages better, and it was just a fantastic evening. And I got to tell you guys, I am just, it never ceases to amaze me to come back and to see this ongoing, continually growing momentum that's happening here in your church. I'm just so impressed by the leadership team, and I hope you guys are thankful for each other and for your leaders of your church. I'm grateful for Pastor Derek, his wife Holly. It's just absolutely incredible what's taken place here, and uh, really looking forward. I think the best days are yet to come, and there's an exciting year coming up this year as he was sharing some of the plans, and uh, can't wait to see what is going on. Gail and I continue to be your greatest cheerleaders outside of the church. It really blesses us to hear all the good things that's going on. And if you haven't met my wife, Gail, I'd like to introduce her to you right now. For those of you who are new to the church, and this is so awesome, I don't recognize so many of you. It's just great. That's the way it should be. So but this is my wife, Gail. Gail, would you stand up if you give her a hand this morning? Gail's the best thing that happened to me, and oftentimes I'm the one who gets up and talks about family and so on, all the things we're going to talk about today, but she's really the secret weapon in our family, and, uh, and it's, uh, it's, it's great to be a team, and we're actually going to be celebrating in a few weeks from now, we're going to be celebrating our 39th wedding anniversary, and uh, we're pretty proud about that. You don't see a lot of that these days, and uh, not only are we still together, we like each other, and... Uh, <laughs> As she said last night, we're kind of in our date year season right now. It's just, it's wonderful. And that doesn't always happen. Uh, that's, that's not just an accident. You have to work at that, as we shared uh, last evening. But we have spent our entire marriage not only building our own family, which we're grateful for, but building the church and helping other people build their families. And we've got so much to be thankful for. For those of you who are interested, you know our family. Just to give you a quick little update on them, I've got a picture here for you just to introduce you to our growing clan. And uh, Gail and I were blessed with three sons and twin daughters. Uh, we've got three wonderful daughters-in-law and six grandkids so far. I need a bunch more because it just, it just doesn't get old. And so everybody's doing great. The majority are with us in Tulsa. My oldest son, Josh, is is an associate pastor for a growing church out in L.A., right in downtown Hollywood right now. And you want to talk about a culture shock. Man, that is a deal. But it is absolutely amazing to see. Church is only two years old right now, started from scratch. They meet in a nightclub on Sunday mornings, five services running almost 1,400 people. 
And uh, it's just so exciting to see what God is doing in the cities and how he loves it. And I wouldn't be able to do it. I don't understand it. But I tell you what, I love to see the love of God reaching people and uh, building great churches there. So that's my family, and we've got a lot to be thankful for. I am honored today that Pastor Derek would allow me to kick off this incredible new series uh, called Finish Strong. There's something about that that I just, I love that. I love this concept of not just getting started, but actually finishing strong. That is a great energizing concept. And I think all of us love the idea of being a part of something great. Don't you love to know that what you're a part of is actually going to get better and it's not just going to stay the same or perhaps just kind of drift back to being mediocre? All of us love the idea of growing. We love the idea of building something. And it's easy for us when we get inspired about something worthwhile to be able to start off strong. Seems like there's absolutely no lack for energy and passion and we're excited about all of this, but what really matters is not just starting strong, but it is finishing strong. And so we got to give some thought to that. What, what is it that goes into that? The Apostle Paul uh, actually understood this. And at, toward the end of his life in Philippians chapter 3, after he had accomplished so much, and when you think about all that he had done, he had traveled most of the known world, established great churches in most of the major areas of, of his day, he had been inspired by God to write nearly two-thirds of what we call our New Testament today. That's a pretty good little legacy. And yet towards the end of his life, this is what he says. He says, brothers, I do not consider that I have made it my own, but one thing I do, forgetting those that, what lies behind and straining forward to what lies ahead, I press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Now, as you're thinking about what he is saying here, I just kind of want you to get a little word picture in your, in your mind here of an Olympic athlete who is in his final race, and he is racing for in that race that is hopefully going to give him that coveted gold medal. For most of these Olympians, it has been a lifelong pursuit. And as he steps up to the starting blocks for this final race, that isn't his first race. There has been many other races and many other championships. That's why he or she is here. But the only thing that matters at this point in time is the focus and the determination to be able to finish strong, to go for that ultimate goal. And you know, the sad thing is, is that so many people never reach that. They never reach what they are striving for, and there's probably a lot of reasons for that. You and I have our own stories of things that we have started off and we thought was going to be great and we were going to hit it, and something along the way sideswiped us and we didn't make that. We all have our regrets. We all have our disappointments. But if you stop and think about it, there's at least three things, three challenges that commonly keep us from finishing strong as we had desired at the very beginning. Number one, it comes down to we may just run out of steam. We start off really fast, but we're just, we didn't realize what it was going to take to be able to do this in a, in a way that was going to get us to the end. Number two, you may have gotten distracted. I'm not going to ask for a show of hands here, but I can easily get distracted by those shiny little things or the new things that come along, and I can get worked up into a lather really quick. And even though this was the latest thing two weeks ago, now this is the thing, and, and I get off track just a little bit. 
And thirdly, it can come down to you just may lose confidence. Those things that you thought that if you did these things, you begin to wonder, are they really going to get me to where I, I want to go? Is this really making the difference in my life right now? And I'm sure that you can all relate. We've got New Year's coming up here not too far. We even saw ads here for you know, our New Year's Eve services. And of course, New Year's comes, New Year's resolutions. And we've all made many of them. And most of them we don't like to admit because they fell by the wayside after about two or three weeks. And you know, so many things uh, that we set our sights on at the beginning of the year generally have to do with like a health goal. Man, I got to get in shape. I got to lose this weight. I lost a bunch, but I found it back this last year. And what, what are we going to do? So you get all whooped up and we join a new gym and we've got a new plan. We're going to eat different and all these different things. But somewhere along the line, we run out of steam. We get distracted or we just begin to wonder, is this change that I thought was going to really get me to where I wanted to go? Is it really worth it? There's so many different examples. It could be building a career. And we begin to wonder, what is it going to take for me to get to where I want to be? And that's what I want to talk with you about today, but not in general. I want to talk with you about something that is very near and dear to my heart and to Gail's. You know this, for those of you who know us, you know that this is very close to us. And I suspect it's very close to all of you as well. And that is family. And when I'm talking about family, I'm talking about your marriage. I'm talking about your relationship with your kids. And before we go any further today, I just want you to stop and think for a moment. If you haven't done this in a while, think about what kind of family experience do you want to have toward the end of your life? I'm not even just talking about right now, and most of you are just trying to get through next Friday. You know, I understand that. But I'm, I'm talking about just kind of go up a little bit. Stop for a moment. Step aside from some of those those pressures that you're experiencing or the busy schedules and just say, where does this all land? What, what, what kind of marriage do I want after the kids are gone? After grandkids start showing up? After we are not working in the jobs that we're working right now? What kind of relationship do I want with my kids? What's that like 10, 20, 30, 40 years down the road? That's a good picture. And I like to dream about that. But here's the reality is family generally never has any problems starting off strong. I mean, if you think about when you first got married, my goodness, as we talked about last night, it is easy to expect that this is the beginning of a happily ever after. And we just think it's going to go on autopilot and this is where it's going to land. And then when our firstborn child shows up, my gosh, we're excited. How can it get even better than this? So, we know it starts strong, but here's the question. How do we guarantee that we're going to actually finish strong as a family? And that's what I want to talk with you about today. Finishing strong with your family. Now, most of us have probably admired certain families that we have said, man, they are just, they've really got it all together. And I'm sure that if you stop and think for a moment right now, you can, you can think of somebody that you say, they've got it going on. This is where I want to end up. And I'm sure that you've probably considered some of the qualities that make that family what it truly is. Well, there's a lot of other people who have thought about that. In fact, a number of years ago, there was actually a university professor named Nick Stennett who did 
the same thing, he actually began to ask, what is it that makes a strong family? In fact, they conducted a research project that identified family strengths. And he and his team, they studied 3,000 strong families from a variety of races and cultures and different countries. This included both Christian families as well as non-Christian families. It included single-parent families. And you say, well, what is it that constitutes? How do, you, how do you even begin to choose and say, well, we're going to study this strong family? What identifies them in that way? Well, they actually use the family themselves. These families identified themselves through their own self-appraisal, and they had to rate themselves high in their happiness, first of all, as a couple, and then high in their satisfaction in their parent-child relationship. And so once they had selected these 3,000 families, uh, then they started doing their investigation and they came up with six main qualities that kept surfacing. And I think that you will find that these things were not only consistent there, but they're consistent with biblical truths that we all understand. So let's just go through those first, just for a moment, and, and try and identify a picture here of what it takes, what are some of the ingredients, what are some of the qualities that help a family to stay strong and to finish strong. Number one they found in this study was a strong commitment to the family was in every single one of them. And that should be no surprise to us because commitment is essential in any lasting relationship. Everybody in these families was concerned about the others. And they were concerned about the family unit as a whole above and beyond their own need. It truly was uh, a one-for-all and an all-for-one. We understand that phrase, but that's not always the way that it plays out because our selfishness comes to the surface every so often, and so oftentimes families just end up becoming fragmented. But the only way that a marriage or a family can really survive rough times is through a deep commitment to stay together. You're going to have to have some stick. It doesn't take much for people to hang together when everything is going great. But when things bego begin to go a little bit sideways, when you don't get your way, then you begin to fragment just a little bit. But you've got to learn to do what it takes to work things out instead of just considering the option to break up and to do your own thing. Now, one of the best ways to foster this commitment is to build a strong family identity. I don't care what it is your last name is, that ought to be your family banner. It, you know, the, we are the Armstrongs, and that means something in our family. For us, it's the Andersons. It doesn't necessarily mean that we're better than anybody else, but it's a big deal to us. And not only are we Andersons, we're Andersons with an S-E-N, thank you, because we are Danish heritage and we're proud of it. So it starts with that. These are the things that you got to celebrate. And, and you do this through the great memories and traditions that, that you begin to build. Because great experiences that you share together as a family is what makes your family unique. And you celebrate things that not only are just the fun things, but you celebrate some of the, the things that weren't all that great at the time. But in those times when you had to rally together, it bonded you together. It wasn't fun at the moment, but it, it was something that, yeah, we look back on right now, and that was part of who we are, part of our history. I'll give you an example real quick. We chose to be a camping family when our kids were younger. And uh, any camping families in here? Oh, 
man. You got to have a few more of those. There's so much that you learn as a family in camping. First of all, just living together in tight quarters and and all of that. And if you're going to be a camping family, you know there's a good chance that you're going to hit inclement weather at some point in time. That proverbial thunderstorm that comes from nowhere, and doggone it, it always seems to happen on that night when you were just tired, you went to bed, you didn't think that you needed to clean up camp, still got stuff hanging on the clotheslines out there, chairs and clothes are laying around. All of a sudden you wake up, the winds are hitting your camper, your tent's so hard, the rains are pouring down. I remember one night we had just had a fabulous evening at the Passion Play in South Dakota. It was fantastic, and we got back. We had our pop-up camp camper. The boys were out in the tent, had an awning out front, and next thing you know, we are getting hit with what I thought was Hurricane Katrina way up in South Dakota. It was unbelievable. I have just a pair of shorts on. I'm running outside. Wind's blowing like this, rain sideways, and all I'm doing is hanging onto that awning for dear life, just standing there. Kids are running around, grabbing stuff. It is an absolute mess, and nobody's having any fun. But I want to tell you something. We laugh about that right now. Those are the kind of things that go deep into a family history, and you have this commitment that, man, when that wind hits, we're getting after it. And it may not be pretty, but we're hunkering down together. Vacations, holidays, birthdays, families that have those shared, memorable times together are the ones that end up being really glued together. So it starts off with a strong commitment. Number two is having lots of time together. Again, everybody likes to talk about the importance of quality time in building our family relationships, and I agree, but I go one step further. You gotta have lots of it. It's not just hopefully, I'm gonna, I've got 15 minutes here this week with you, let's make it the best. I've never been able to make that work. You've gotta have a lot of time together. You will never be able to build any relationship of any kind without spending a lot of time together. It's just not possible. That's part of what makes up a strong relationship. And it takes real dedication to do this because particularly in our high-paced lifestyles today, you are going to have to make time. This kind of time does not fall into your lap. That's one of the main threads that's going to go out our time together in here in these next few moments is the importance of making this time. And it's more than just the family vacations, although I'm a huge proponent of that. Don't cash in your vacation time. You deserve it. Your family deserves it. You need those memories together. But it's not just the one thing that you do two weeks out of the year. It's more important to seize those little daily and weekly things where you're spending time together. The everyday mundane things like eating together, and playing board games together, and doing household chores together. And the activity really isn't as important as it is of just doing it together. And hopefully you have some fun with it, hopefully your homes are filled with laughter, but the greatest quality times that we have ever had as a family have come as the result of just simply spending a lot of time together. Number three, here's the other thing that surfaced in this, in this study of what makes strong families strong, is that they have good family communication. Now, that's, that's something that really isn't all that common today. If there's a dysfunction in the majority of families, it's in their inability to be able to communicate 
in a very healthy way. And we all know how essential this is. In the same way with having to have a lot of time, you've got to learn how to communicate. So important in relationship building. And the conversation has got to be more than just, man, have you seen my shoes? Or what's the weather like today? Or can you please pass the salt? I mean, I get that. That's all important. I mean, it's necessary at least. But that's not what good communication includes. Good communication is being, uh, being at a place where you can openly talk about feelings. And that is something that is very difficult, sadly, for a lot of families. And it seems to be a dysfunction that is passed on from one family to the next. It's a scary thing to be able to reveal those feelings. Many of us have been trained to keep our feelings to ourselves. Perhaps you grew up in a, in a, church, or in a, in a home that was just like that. You heard things on an ongoing basis where you even began to express how you might feel at the time, scared, worried, uh, embarrassed, inadequate, something along those lines, and you thought it was a safe place, and you hear something like, oh, that's silly. It's silly for you to feel that way. You don't need to feel that way. Well, I know that sometimes we're trying to be encouraging, but a lot of times that message comes across in the wrong way. Or perhaps you just grew up feeling that your feelings weren't important because there just really wasn't any time made to listen to you. And that's a very sad thing. So we've got to renew that within our families because strong families work hard at creating this openness and acceptance to keep good communication happening. The fourth thing that is a quality of, of strong families is an open expression of appreciation for one another. You can't overdo this to letting everybody know how valuable they really are because everybody needs to know that they're accepted. Everybody needs to know that they're respected. Everybody needs to know that they are a valuable part of this family. And you know, one of the greatest things about our Lord, I think, is what he said in John chapter 10, verse 4, where he described himself as the good shepherd. And he said, I am the good shepherd. I know my own and they know me. Isn't that an awesome thing to know that our Heavenly Father, the creator of all of this, He knows you by name? In another place it says He knows the numbers of hairs on your head. And for some of us that's not a huge challenge, but for it's just, it's just a pretty cool concept. The idea is that He knows more about me than I know myself. He knows me. And not only does He know me inside and out, good, bad, and ugly, he loves me. That's awesome. And that's the reason why we love him so much, the reason why we're drawn to him. And that needs to happen within our homes. Strong families recognize and affirm each other for their strengths. I remember uh, for a season when our kids were growing up, they all began, you know, it's amazing how that five kids can grow up in the same home, be born to the same parents, and be so different. And we even had twins, twin girls, identical twins, and how different that they were and they all began to build their own identity and, and uh, build their own reputation in our home for things that they were good at and there was a season where our second born son Jared was known as the fix-it guy. Jared was just a hands-on guy and whether he knew how to do it or not he was willing to tackle it and to figure it out and it was just fun to see that when something was broke he was the default guy. The siblings were taking it to Jared. Now that's changed a little bit over the years, but now Jared is known as the guy who can always find the best deals on anything. 
And none of us spend any money of any significance without going to Jared first because if he doesn't know where it is right off the bat, he is going to find it for you. It is unbelievable. He is our purchasing agent in, in our family. The guy knows the best prices on even the most obscure little things everywhere. And that's what we, that's what we relied on. It, it's those kind of things that seem very simple to the bigger deals, but it's recognizing each other, not just for what we do, but more importantly, for who we are. And that's so important. Every member is valuable, and everybody needs to hear that from other family members. Gail started something. I hadn't even thought about this, so just right now, we used to do this thing, honey, what do we call it? Just a compliment blast, or what did we call that at, at the table? It's good enough. That works right there. I don't know, but here's what would happen. Gail at random would just start some night, and she would just say, okay, it's his day today, and choose one of the kids. We have 60 seconds. Everybody start throwing compliments right now, and it was just a blitz. It wasn't taking turns. It was just saying great things about them. And they just have to sit there. And at first it seems a little awkward. And after a while, the smiles start coming out. And uh, maybe sometimes if he's been fussing with somebody else, that guy might have to think just a little bit hard that day. But it was a great exercise. This is what we love about you. This is what's so good about you. Not just what you do, but who you are. You were a valuable member of this family. It is just so good. Here's number five in the, in the qualities of a strong family. And that is a deeper, they had a deep spiritual commitment. Now, for those of us here today, we wouldn't be surprised by that, but having a strong faith is what gives family stability. It's what creates this anchor in our, in our family history, particularly during those tough times that sideswipe us. You know, life can be tough enough when you do not have a relationship with God through Jesus Christ. I have no idea how people make it without Him. We've all experienced those tough times, and we've got a great relationship with the Lord. Can you imagine what that would be like if you didn't have that strong faith? I want to read to you just a, a lengthy passage here, several verses out of the book of Proverbs chapter 3, and let me just show you the kind of stability that God promises when we follow after Him and after His wisdom. It says, the Lord by wisdom founded the earth, by understanding He established the heavens, by his knowledge, the deeps broke down and the, the clouds dropped down or broke open and the clouds drop open down the dew. My son, do not lose sight of these. Keep sound wisdom and discretion and they will be life for your soul and an adornment for your neck. Now notice this. Then you will walk on your way securely. Your foot will not stumble. If you lie down, you'll not be afraid. When you, when you lie down, your sleep will be sweet. Don't be afraid of sudden terror or of the ruin of the wicked. When it comes, for the Lord will be your confidence and will keep your foot from being caught. So, every family experience, uh, experiences some kind of bumps in life. Sometimes it's in a big way. Sometimes it really catches you by surprise. Sometimes it's for a short season. Sometimes it is life-altering. But building a solid foundation in good times is what keeps a family anchored in rough times. About 42 years ago, this time of year, I was just finishing up my first semester as a freshman in college at Iowa State University. 
And I called my parents uh, the night before I was getting ready to go home. And we were coming home for that long-awaited, long Christmas break. And man, I was excited. Christmas is great. Wanted to see my family. And said, I'm going to be home tomorrow. And they said, awesome. We're taking off. We're taking your three uh, siblings. And we're heading off to Omaha, Nebraska tonight, about an hour away. And we're going to finish up our Christmas shopping. Can't wait to see you. Looking forward to having you home. About two hours later, I had a campus police show up at my, at my office and say, there's been an accident. You need to call this hospital over in Council Bluffs. I called over there, and they said, you need to come home. Got my roommate to drive me home. Took about three hours to get there. When I arrived, I found out that there had been a terrible accident about halfway on the way to Omaha. Driving across the bridge, a semi-truck coming the other way with a drunk driver, crossed the line, hit my family's car. My dad was instantly killed. Everybody else was in the hospital, some of them in really, really bad shape. It really shook up our little town. In fact, my little brother, Bobby, laid in the hospital for two and a half years in, in a coma before he died later on. That was a rough Christmas. Going home a week later, opening up a present to Kirby from Dad, a J.C. Penney sweater, navy blue V-neck. Didn't wear it very much, but I kept it for many, many years. That really shook up not just our Christmas that year, but it was life-altering. And I can tell you this, it still makes no sense to me. It doesn't. It's mind-numbing. How do you make any sense out of something like that? Rocked our little town of 9,000 people. That's a very sobering kind of story. But I want to tell you something. It's an opportunity at times like that for families to either get bitter or to get better. And I'm so thankful to God for our, our family's faith at that time because we chose the latter. We pulled together. And not only did we lock arms together as a family, even though most of them were in separate hospital rooms, for so long a period of a time, but it's because we hung on to our faith. I remember that night that I just kind of tucked myself away into one of the hospital restrooms there and had a good cry, and, and uh, I realized at that time that I lost my earthly father, but my heavenly father took on a whole new perspective at that point in time. And God's been good to us over the years, and we look back and we're thankful for who we are. But it all comes down to having that deep spiritual commitment. I hope that none of you will experience anything like that, but you will be rocked with certain things that catch you by surprise. There will always be those hardships. There may even be some tragedies. You better know that you've got that firm foundation in your relationship with Christ. The sixth thing that makes up a strong family is an ability to resolve crises. Every family, as we just talked about, is going to experience some kind of crisis. doesn't have to be earth-shattering, but those times of pressure will tend to drive us apart, and we need to pull together instead. So instead of ignoring those things or leaving each member to fend for himself, a strong family is going to rally together in that attitude of just building a team spirit. And this comes down to resolving conflict, particularly. Again, one of those skills that is not as common as what it should be in families. I mean, we have to learn how to get along with people. And the best place to do that should be within our home. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 32 says this, Be kind to one another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, as God in Christ forgave you. He's speaking to the church, and that certainly applies to all of us within the family of God. 
But again, the best place to learn that is within the home, to learn how to resolve conflict. Strong families will rally together to resolve not only crises, but conflict. Now, you probably are saying, yep, all of those things are good. I get that. Shouldn't be surprising. And you may have a few other qualities that you might even add to this list. But I think that you can see why these things surfaced in this study of 3,000 families. And assuming that we all agree that these qualities certainly characterize strong families, the big question really boils down to this. How do we overcome those three challenges that we talked about here a few moments ago to finishing strong? The running out of steam, the getting distracted, the losing confidence in what we're doing. Let me put it to you this way again. How do we guarantee that with everything that is coming against a family and may come against your family in the next com coming years, how do you guarantee that you're really going to be able to finish strong? Well, to be able to keep from running out of steam, let me start breaking it down for you here real quick and then give you some very practical application for all of this. To keep from running out of steam, you need to build a sustainable pace. It's not just tearing off it, that you can only run for a few yards before you lose steam. You got to find that rhythm. You got to find a sustainable pace. Getting distracted. In order to keep from getting distracted, you're going to have to find your focus. You're going to have to learn how to prioritize. Think back what Paul said a moment ago. He said, this one thing I do. Now, is that the only thing he was probably doing? No. It just said, listen, above everything else, this is what it comes down to. I am staying fixed on this because this is what really matters. And we've all got to be able to prioritize. And to be able to keep from losing your focus, or losing your confidence, rather, we need to have a set of time-proven, trusted activities. And essentially, we need to know that if we do these things, it's going to get us there. That's why infomercials are so powerful. They come on, they tell you something, and then they show somebody and just say, this is where I was at. I weighed so much. I did this thing, and now look at me here. And you're going, oh my gosh. If he could do that, I can do that. It's proven. It's trusted. And essentially, what we need to be able to do in order to achieve all of these six qualities that we just talked about is it basically boils down to two things. We need time and we need conversation within our families. Those are the two main ingredients. And I'm going to give you what I consider to be a million-dollar secret today. I didn't always fully appreciate this because when I was young, everything was about fast and more and just getting after it. But here's the million-dollar secret today, and that is this. Little things done consistently over a long period of time can produce some pretty amazing results. You know what this essentially boils down to? That Aesop's fable of the tortoise and the hare? I think that ought to be required mandatory reading for every adult at least once a year. No matter how many times I have read it, that stinking tortoise wins every time. He just does. And I have always been the hare. But there have been times I've run out of steam, I've gotten distracted, get off the track, and here you got this other guy who's just limping along. Plod on, plod on, plod on. 
And that's going to be the key for us as a family as well. This is really the key to great investing. It's to, to building a family legacy. We all know that if we save like $100 a month starting at the age of 18, 19, 20, something like that, and we do that and put it into a great interest-bearing account, that eventually within a few decades, all of a sudden, bingo, you're a millionaire. You don't have to be the sharpest knife in the drawer. You don't have to be the smartest guy. You don't have to be the luckiest gal anywhere. It is just consistency. It's not about brilliance. It's not complicated. And so it is with family. If you're going to finish strong as a family, here's the secret. You have got to prioritize these time-proven, sustainable, weekly activities that provide time together and also involve conversation. That's it. You say, well, such as. Well, I'm glad you asked that. Because I'm going to give you a number of these things that you can all begin doing or keep doing today. If you're already doing, I'm going to tell you, there's gold in this stuff when you do it over and over again. I went into five habits last year when I was here, and I think that message is still online. If you weren't here last year when I taught, it's just simply called Five Habits to Build the Family that You Want for a Lifetime, and I think that's still available online, and I encourage you to review that. But in essence, let me just give it to you in a nutshell. Five habits, number one was couch time. This is just between you and your spouse where you take a few minutes at the end of every day when you come home together and you have some undistracted conversation with each other. You put the kids in the other room, you set them up, you take some time to debrief. This is the stuff that will keep you connected over the long haul. Because you know days go into weeks, which go into months, and next thing you know, you've been married for 20 years, the kids are grown, and you don't recognize each other anymore. Just staying connected and not letting yourself drift. Meal time, how simple is that? Again, the whole idea here is to eat at least one meal together as a family each and every day. And not just eat, talk. You gotta have time, you gotta have conversation. Thirdly is family time. Taking a couple hours out of the week and saying, this is just reserved for us. And we're going to do something fun together. And it's not once in a great while. It's so important. We do it, and it is sacred every single week. Special time. That's where you, as mom, dad, you each take time with one of the kids for one hour each week on a rotating basis just to have a little extra time with them when they have your undivided attention. And the fifth of these five habits was date time. And I know we talked a lot about this last night for those of you who are here, but it's just doing something weekly together with your spouse where you can just have some fun, where you have some time to be able to talk. These are the things that Gail and I, when we look back right now and we say, how did we get here we are so thankful for those who went before us and taught us these things. These are the things that got us to where we enjoy what we enjoy today and what we are so diligent to share with others that I coach personally or that we're even teaching our kids. Guys, listen to us. Don't forsake what you learned growing up. These are the things that got us to where we are. Now, there's some other activities that you could include in this too. Certainly church time. My goodness, worshiping together. And not just the 1.8 times a month, which is the average for most people today. That is the average of people who are really locked in and who are excited about their church. The average is about 1.8 times a month. 
It is that important, and I think we can do better than twice a month. Get your kids and come to church and begin to build that community within the family of God. Don't overlook little things like bedtime. What an awesome opportunity to debrief at the end of the day with your kids, to let them talk with you a little bit. So many things that they have been suppressing throughout the day all of a sudden can come out in that quiet moment as you have a chance to talk with them and to pray with them. And of course, the holidays and birthdays, vacations, all those great memory makers and legacy builders, those things are certainly important. But if you're going to truly prioritize these things, you're going to have to make them a reality every week, and the only way that you can do that is you have to calendar these things. You can't walk out of here and just say, those are good things. Let's take a stab at that this week. Mm-mm-mm. It will not work unless you block out times and you write it down on your calendar. Activities not just to do, but that which is going to help you and your family become what it is that you want to do. Little things that are done consistently over and over and over again. And you know what will happen if you don't write it down. If you don't block that thing out first thing for this week, you're going to spend your time doing something. And all those other opportunities and invitations and options that you might have are going to fill up that time. And you're going to end up another week and just saying, doggone it, we didn't get our family time in this week. But we'll do better this week. How do you know? The only way you guarantee it is you're going to have to prioritize it and calendar it. So there you got it. To confidently invest in your family and your legacy, to not only just start off strong, but to go the distance and finish strong. You're going to have to prioritize these time-proven, sustainable weekly activities that are going to provide conversation and time for your family. And you can start today. That's the best thing about this. This isn't just some pie-in-the-sky deal, I hope we can do this, or I'll wait till we get some more money. It doesn't have anything to do with money. It just takes a decision. Start this week. And it doesn't even matter what stage of life, season of life your family is in. You can start right now. And I want to encourage you before this day ends that you will take some time, and if you're married, you sit down with your spouse, and you decide that you are going to start living more on purpose proactively instead of just spending time reactively. What do you want this week to look like? Because if you do it well and you continue to keep doing it, you're going to get to that place that you ultimately wanted to be 10, 20, 30, 40 years from now. So grab that week-at-a-glance calendar. Block out these times for activities that when you do them over the long haul are going to help you to finish strong as a family. And here's one final bit of encouragement before we wrap up. And that is this. Paul said, forgetting what lies behind, straining forward, pressing on. I want you to notice here that you, if you have to forget what lies behind if you're going to move forward. That is so important. There is no way that you can drive in your car for any distance at all safely and move forward over the long haul by looking in the rearview mirror. And yet that is what so many of us have been stifled by. That we aren't moving forward because we are focusing so much on the past. On our hurts, our failures, our regrets. We constantly are thinking about the woulda, coulda, shouldas. 
that we should have done? We spend way too much time on that. And I'm not trying to just pass over those things simply. I'm just saying that you've got to strain forward. You've got to forget to be able to press on toward the goal. You've got to be able to forgive. You've got to ask for forgiveness. You have got to forgive yourself. And then you've got to ask God for the help that only He can give to help you accomplish what He really wants for you. That's what we have to do to be able to get to the place we want. I hope you guys will stay in contact as Gail and I, we are constantly putting out content on these subjects. We've created a website just called kirbyanderson.com and I hope that you'll subscribe to our email newsletter because we'll just send you stuff every week that will help you in these areas of marriage and parenting and personal development and health. And if you sign up for our newsletter, you'll be able to download this little PDF that's just called Seven Ways That You Can Supercharge Your Family This Week. And that's some practical stuff that goes beyond what we talked about today. And we can keep up to date with you. Can I just pray for you right now? Let's bow our heads together. And Father, we just want to thank you today for your goodness. Thank you for meeting with us here today. And Lord, we thank you that you love us enough that you have something so much better for us than we've even dared to imagine. As we begin to dream today, Lord, of the kind of family, the kind of marriage, the kind of relationships with our children that we want to have, we're bringing that before you and we are asking you, Lord, to do something great within our homes. We thank you, Father, for the strength, the wisdom, the help to do the little things right now, today, this week, to do them over and over and over and over again so that we can not just start off strong, but we'll be able to finish strong and be the example of your goodness in our lives and to our community. Thank you so much for that in Jesus' name. Guys, it has been an awesome pleasure to be with all of you again today. You're not only a great church, you're a wonderful audience, and it's just a huge blessing to be with you. And I just want to encourage you guys today to think about this and to forget those things that are behind and keep pressing forward. Build your great family. Keep growing this awesome church. Keep making a huge difference in Sheboygan County. Thank you all so much. God bless every one of you. Pastor Derek. Thanks for listening to this sermon from Word of Grace. For more sermons or any other information, visit wogcc.com.